0: Our scripture reading this morning is from the book of Revelation, chapter 21, verse 10, and chapter 22, uh, verses 1 through 5. And in the spirit he carried me away to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty And the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God is its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. Its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. People will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will enter it nor anyone who practices abomination or falsehood, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. On either side of the river is the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, producing its fruit each month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nation's. Nothing accursed will be found there any more, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. And there will be no more night. They need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. What do you do when your fridge has become bloated with leftovers? Maybe it's the end of the week and you've cooked so many times and you didn't. what you didn't eat is sitting there and depending on your personality, it's either neatly stacked and organized or delicately wedged just so between the milk and the orange juice. I'll give you a hint at my households. My wife is an organizer. Things are stacked and arranged and maybe color-coded, I'm not sure. I am a wedger. But now you're there, you open up your fridge, you're staring at your meals from the week, taking up space, and I've learned that some households don't really do leftovers. They don't like to eat them. Week after week, extra food goes into the fridge, but let's be honest, you might as well just take it and throw it in the trash. No one's going to eat that. Just cut out the middleman. Other people, well, you love leftovers, You cook meals so that you can have leftovers. When you have something waiting in your fridge, you throw the thing open with a smile that says, today I get to eat and I don't even have to cook. Praise God. (laughs) Honestly, for some people, leftovers look like Christmas morning. This is something I mentioned from experience and with certainty because it happens to me every day just about lunch. I throw open that fridge and get a big smile. I get to eat and I don't even have to cook. But there's one other way that leftovers accumulate. And it's sort of like the basement of our church. There are things there, but when are they from? And what were they originally? It looks like it was a trophy or something, but now it looks more like, well, it's leftovers from that thing that happened that one time. (laughs) In my house growing up, we were big fans of leftovers. But in my house, when the leftovers reached this I-don't-remember-cooking-some-of-these-things stage. The unrecognizable food was thrown out, and everything else that still looked decent became slum gullion. Do you guys know this word? Oh, a few, okay. I was so excited for this because I was hoping just maybe I can finally turn the table on your southernisms. <laughs> slum gullion is a word that means a hodgepodge stew. If you break down the word, it comes from two words, slum Meant slime and gullion. Well, gullion meant mud. Mystery stew that looks a bit like slime, a bit like mud, and tastes like, well, that will really depend on who you're talking to. I love slum gullion. This morning we're looking at the final chapter from Revelation, and it feels a lot like slum gullion. Almost like the author couldn't decide which leftover images he wanted to use, so he just started grabbing all of them and putting them together. There's a ton, absolutely a ton here. But these aren't leftovers that you want to accidentally toss in the trash. These leftovers are appetizers for a heavenly feast. So go ahead, grab a plate, bring your appetite. It's our final feast in Revelation for a while. But let's start with this image right here. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. Its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. People will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations. Okay. You have to pay attention to this one to catch it. When God finishes bringing heaven to earth, there's going to be a parade. The nations and the rulers and the people are all going to be walking into heaven and the kings will bring their glory and the people will bring the glory of the nations. Did you notice that they don't bring in God's glory? That's what I expected. But the thing is, they don't need to. God is there, and his glory is so bright that there isn't even night anymore. Clearly, the guy doesn't need any help. So the nations and the kings don't need to bring God's glory. They bring the glory of the nations. But what does that mean? Sometimes we get stuck in a mentality where being a Christian means doing Christian things, like reading your Bible or praying out loud, and being a Christian is doing Christian things. If you don't believe that the Holy Spirit inspired the Bible, there's not much incentive to read it. If you do believe the Holy Spirit inspired the Bible, you'd be crazy not to at least take a peek every once in a while. But being a Christian isn't just doing Christian things. It also means doing normal things as a Christian. If you do track or you play ball, you do it as a Christian. If you're married, you're married as a Christian. If you have a job or you go shopping, you do those things as a Christian. When we paint and give God the glory or do an amazing routine on bars or get good grades and give God the glory, we are bringing the glory of the nations into God's kingdom. Will there be football in heaven or fishing or dancing? I think so, and we'll enjoy them every bit as much. But they won't be done for our glory. They'll be done for God's. So, first image from our slum gullion. We bring the nation's glory to God, not just by doing Christian things, but by doing normal things as Christians, with honor, kindness, faith, humility, which means heaven will be a busy place with all the joys of life here. But when you picture heaven, there's a rather significant geographic difference because there's a river flowing through the middle of the street which I believe happened here Christmas Day. (laughs) But generally, this is an image that is hard to grasp in modern times. When God gave the people this vision, how do I say this? Okay, today you can walk into your kitchen and you can turn a lever and somehow, magically, water comes pouring out. Just pouring out and you can turn another lever and magically you can control the temperature of the water by turning these letters or you can control how much is coming out. And that's amazing when you think about it, right? If you wanted, you could leave that running and walk to the bathroom and pull a knob or turn a lever or whatever and water will start flying at you out of a nozzle and you can wash yourself in this continuous stream of temperature-controlled magic water. Back then, if you wanted water, you took a bucket and you walked to a well, which might be several miles, and you hand over hand hauled your water up and then carried it back to your house. If the well ran out, well, there was no magic lever. That was it. If the well ran out, so did life. So water isn't our modern image, and I was thinking through what was, and then I saw this Study by the Federal Reserve that for 47% of Americans today, 47% could not pay for an emergency in the family if the expense was over $400. If it was more than $400 for whatever the emergency was, they would have to borrow money, sell something, or be unable to pay. Another study found 71% of Americans, 7 out of 10 people, concerned with having enough money to cover everyday expenses. If that river of money dries up, the debt collectors start calling and then knocking, and eventually the water does stop and the lights turn off. And that fridge, it's not filled with leftovers, it's empty. Which is why that river of money for most Americans is the reason that stress has settled into your shoulders and hasn't left in years until you can't remember when you weren't worried about money. From there, we can understand the river of life. Flowing crystal clear in a central location, visible to all people, it is constant and it is free. It means those knots in your shoulders, the tension whenever you open your bank account, is finally gone. Now let me say this. There is a global argument now about geopolitics. Capitalism in its various forms, socialism in its forms. I don't debate geopolitics, but I need to say this. (laughs) If the source of the river of life isn't God, if it's any form of government with any sinful person in charge, that river is in danger of drying up. Period. This forever constant, forever free river of life through the middle of the city is possible only because of God's endless abundance. The river running through heaven symbolizes the origin of life coming from God and it is never under threat. We can go to the river, and perhaps it's large enough to cause some waves sometimes, but the waves will not threaten. The river will not stop. Heaven is defined by God's abundance. And the river is crystal clear. There's a tradition of spitting in the Mississippi River for good luck. My wife told me about this. Do you guys know this? Roy Williams, basketball court coach for North Carolina, does. It's an old tradition, but for him it dates back to 1982. He spit into the Mississippi during the final four in New Orleans, and he won. So he did it again in 2005 as head coach of North Carolina, and he won again. I don't think it matters too much if you spit in the Mississippi in terms of affecting the river's purity. Down here, the Mississippi is the color of mud. If you go up to the distant, beautiful, blessed north, it's clear as... (laughs) Down here, it's the color of mud. The River of Life, on the other hand is always crystal clear. It's pure and unpolluted, which matters because, hear this, find another river of life that isn't polluted. Whatever you're drinking from to keep you alive, it's getting into your heart and it's getting into your soul. And if it's not God, it's not just giving you life. And you have to ask what that river is costing you. But the river in heaven is flowing from the tree of life. And this is our third image. The Bible starts with a tree, doesn't it? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In Genesis, it's where we sin as human beings. Adam and Eve decide that they know what's good for them better than God does, so they use their free will to eat from the tree, and things go downhill from there. Adam and Eve decide to trust themselves instead of trusting God. The first tree was a sign of humans choosing to trust themselves instead of God But this tree, the tree of life, is the reverse. We eat from it by acknowledging that most days we have no idea what's right. We have no idea what we need, but God does. We eat from it by using the same free will that caused the first sin, but we choose to trust God instead of ourselves. Which is why Revelation tells us nothing accursed will be found there anymore because it's God's tree, and God's tree will be on both sides of the river. There's no wrong side of the tracks in the kingdom of God. Because, hey, geography determines quality of life. We know that, don't we? That's why people fight over the lines of school districts. If you can be on that side of the line, your kid can go to that school. And that matters... But God's tree of life is on both sides of the river. You can drink of the water of life freely, and you can find food for the soul from God's tree. Geography no longer matters. In the kingdom of God, there is no wrong side of the tracks. Many months ago, Micah told you about a young girl named Alejandra. She was born in a poor neighborhood in Guatemala, which determined her economic future forever. Alejandra was born on the wrong side of the tracks. God's tree, though, is on both sides of the river, and if you ever have the pleasure to meet her, it will be clear that she has been eating of the fruit of the tree of life. Because God desires to bless you and give life in abundance. Y'all, don't throw out this slumgullion feast at the end of Revelation because it has these leftovers that are worth opening. First, we do all of our normal activities in life as Christians. Second, God is the source of the river of life. It will never dry up. And the life that comes from it is free, and it is for all of us. Third, the river is clear and unpolluted because it is God's river. And finally, the tree of life is on both sides of the river. And it says that while our human geography might determine our quality of life, God's geography extends to all corners. So grab a plate and enjoy yourself a slumgullion promise from the book of Revelation. Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for these images of your coming kingdom, a kingdom that is coming to life before our eyes even now. We ask that you would give us strength to follow you in all things, that we might drink from the river and be transformed.